Okay, do you have your Bible? Anybody have a Bible? Anybody have the Passion Translation with you? I'm going to read something to you from the Passion Translation. I'm going to 1 Corinthians 13 in this uh, Passion Translation that uh, uh, Brian is a, um, he's a translator of, Bi- of Bibles. And to tell you how, um, he, of course, he has a, a doctorate, a degree in that. He went to school for many years. He has experience in translating the Bible. Him and his wife went to the Cooney tribe in Central America, and they were a very uh, uncivilized. They lived in mud huts in the jungle. Um, they didn't wear clothes. They were untouched. They had no uh, written vocabulary, not even so much as an alphabet. Him and his wife went there with their uh, two or three, two, two of their children, little children, and they lived among them as missionaries for seven years. In that seven years, he established, he took all of their society around them, took their lives, learned their language, and then he created an alphabet so that he could write letters and give them understanding of an alphabet, and he taught them their own alphabet that he created, because they didn't have one. They didn't speak any English or any other languages. They spoke their native tongue only. I mean, these were isolated people from all civilization in the jungles. And he wrote them this vocabulary, and then he taught them how to put words together with certain letters of that vocabulary and showed them what those words meant by pictures and by showing them the very thing they were describing, he put together an entire vocabulary for them with their own uh, uh, language. And then he wrote and translated the Bible into their vocabulary and into their alphabet from Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible, and presented them with a Bible after teaching them to read, and they then had a Bible. He led them. They were, none of them were saved. They weren't listening to him when he preached the gospel. He became at his wit's end, and he thought he was going to have to leave. And he was crying out to God in the middle of the night after he'd been there a length of time, And the Spirit of God came upon him and told him he needed to go to them and repent. And he said, why? And he said, because you don't understand them and you don't understand that you've been offending them. And he showed him where he was offending them. And he went and asked them if they could all come have a meeting with him that he needed to have a special powwow with their tribe and that it was very important. And they showed up. First, he went to a few of them and talked to them and repented to them. And then he told them they needed the whole tribe. And they went and got the whole tribe and came. And he stood in front of them and repented to them and asked them to forgive him. And when he did, they all began to weep. And suddenly, they fell on their knees and began to cry out to God because they suddenly had a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Then he preached the simple gospel to them and turned that tribe to the Lord. Are you hearing this? Then he wrote them an alphabet and a Bible and left them with a Bible and it all took seven years. So that's his experience of how he began to do Bible translation after being taught about it in a school. How many know you can learn a a lot of stuff in a school, but until you put it into reality... Well, he went and put it into reality and made it a living word of God. And so his experience in missions worldwide, I have known him for 25, close to 30 years. We have traveled New England together. We've been on staff with them in their church. We were part of his leadership team for his network of churches that now Randy Clark is actually. um, uh, He has turned it over to Randy Clark. And... Uh, Brian is very involved with, he's on Cheon's Board of Apostles, and he's C. Peter Wagner, and he, he walks with giants, but he's different than any of them I know, and he's a true apostle, a real father in the Lord. And now this translation Bible that he's bringing is, is sweeping through the body of Christ. They cannot print them fast enough. And before long, it'll all be put into one. But right now, he doesn't even have all of the New Testament. He's just finished the book of 1 Corinthians, and he's working on 2 Corinthians. He may have finished it. I just got a whole bunch of boxes of these new translation Bibles that we're going to have here and make them available to you in the conference. And he's going to put all of them in a regular Bible when he gets it all finished. But um, 1 Corinthians, is if it's in one of those boxes, I'll get one of the first ones. So I'm hoping it is. But he sent it to me because I asked him. He, he refers to me and asks me questions about certain contexts of scripture because I get revelation on stuff. And so he wants to hear my revelation. And if I get anything that I think he needs to put in there, I call him and tell him. And he sometimes uses a little bit of it. So <laughs> he's a lot of fun to work with. And how many, are, how many have been here when he's been here before? Can, can I see your hand? Just a few of you. The last time he was here, the first night, the building was full. The first night, it was, it was packed. And uh, it'll be that way this time. You want to come early. You want to uh, go ahead and register, pre-register for it if you can. And, uh, of course... Uh, you can ask anybody about what's involved in that and they can tell you. Tonight I want to go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and read to you 1 Corinthians 13 from the Passion Translation Bible. And then I want to talk to you about the power of his love. You just did the song, didn't you? Isn't that song amazing? And when that song came out, I lived in Southern California, and we had a church called Eagle's Wings Ministries. We changed it later on to uh, Eagle's Nest, and we were involved in a network of churches, and before long we had a couple hundred in, our, in a network of churches that we had with the Eagle's Nest Ministries. Uh, and it was birthing the, the prophetic movement. It's before people knew about prophets and believed in them, and, and prophecy was... Not many people really, they had the gift of prophecy. 
but it, there was no prophetic movement, word of knowledge and word of wisdom, the office of the prophet. That was all brand new, and I was involved in helping birth that and was there with all the names that you'd like to mention going back 40 years. I, I know them all, and I remember when all of us were totally unknown in birthing the prophetic movement, and now they're the cutting-edge uh, move of God, men and women of God, the ones that are still alive, the ones that are still in ministry, etc. But uh, in, in saying that, the, the, greatest, the greatest gift I've seen about the gift and all the gifts of the Spirit that talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it names the nine gifts of the Spirit. At the end of the chapter, chapter it says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then it goes into the chapter on love. So is love more excellent than the gifts? Is that what it's saying? Is that the more excellent way? Or is the more excellent way to operate in all of those gifts and do it in love? What would be the best way? To operate in all the gifts of the Spirit through love. Everything that God does that's fully God is love. There isn't anything God can do that isn't love because God, he doesn't just love people, but God is love. And as we know, the Bible describes him as two things, specifically as to his dominant character. God is love and God is light. And the rays of light that shine from Father, that shine from Jesus Christ, that emanate through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Every ray of light is a, is, a, is a word of the Lord. And every ray of light is a revelation. And every ray of light is 100% love. And it's 100% light. God is love. That's all he can be. Because that's what he is. He is love. And the only thing God can do is bring forth light. Because that's what God is. In him is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Does God bring judgments? Does he? Some of you don't know. Some of you have been taught he doesn't. He does. Uh, you bring forth judgments. How many here bring forth judgments? I'm not talking about judging because you're mad. I'm talking about Making a decision. How many of you know every time you make a decision, you're using either good or bad judgment? How many know you're going to execute on that? You're going to either, if it's good judgment, you're going to execute good things. If it's bad judgment, you're going to execute bad judgment. Some, sometimes we need to understand that God is able to do everything that we do. Do you think, how many thinks God get, gets angry? Anybody think here God gets angry? Well, of course he gets angry. The Bible says, and the Lord waxed hot with anger. I, that sounds pretty bad to me. How many of you know that sounds pretty bad? But when he waxes hot in his anger, he emanates his love to such a degree that it burns up and consumes all his enemies. And it's his love the anger of God is not like the fallen anger of a human being. 
God's anger is different. God's anger is filled with love. It has to be. Now, it's really important you get this or you will misinterpret the scripture. Not only that, you won't understand grace. How many of you know that grace came through Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad it did? The law came through Moses, John chapter 1. But grace and truth, everybody say truth, truth. came through Jesus Christ. Do you know you can't have grace without truth? You know, some people are teaching and preaching a grace message without truth. And what kind of grace is that going to be? Is it possible for there to be a false grace? How about a false mercy? Is it possible for people to tell you they love you and it be false? Of course. Now you have to understand that our mindsets can be swayed by a persuasion that we're involved in where that is the doctrinal emphasis of that group. And we can begin to think that is the whole gospel. How many believes there's a lot of different movements in the church world today that are really of God? How many believes there's only one? I don't believe there's only one. I believe there's, you know, in every denomination, in every movement, talk Catholics, talk Protestants, talk Greek Orthodox. In all of those movements, there's real Christians, isn't there? How many believe there's real Christians all through the body of Christ that really love Jesus in every kind of denomination? I don't know how God's going to do it, but he is going to unify his church with a John 17 anointing, and it is going to be so high in love that it will be beyond anything we've ever experienced. And that is an amazing thing. I want to be a part of that. Anybody want to be a part of that? Father, the glory which you've given unto me, I have given unto them that they might be one. The power and the glory of God's love is the only thing that can unify the world. Can I tell you that Donald Trump is not going to make America great again? I like the phrase, I like the idea, I like Donald, okay? But Donald Trump can't change America, only Jesus can. Do I hear an amen? amen. America needs a revival and a reformation. America needs an outpouring of love we have never known before. And why am I talking to you about it? Because you're the people that have that love within you, and you're the ones that can do it. You're the ones that can actually live it greater than you think you can. You're the ones that actually have a lot more love in you. Have you ever prayed this? God, give me more love. Anybody ever prayed that? Just two, two or three of you. Hmm, what about the rest of you? You need to come lay hands on me. We all pray for God to give us more love. But if we read the Bible, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. That literally means your heart is bursting in every area with God's love. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe you have enough love in your heart? I do. How many believe Jesus is in your heart? Because, see, we, we get this idea that we, because we fail to live out the love that we have within us, 
we feel like we need to ask God for more love. And you know what God will say every time you ask him for more love? He'll say, okay, just give me more of you. Because how many here have things inside of you that you've never really totally given to God? How many have ever said, God, this time it's for real. Oh, you could make me, you're so wonderful. Yes, I'll never do it again. This time I'm really going to get this behind me. How many have ever done that? And you did it 100%, didn't you? No, you grew in it. You maybe expanded it into your life a little bit. Sometimes, in a, like, like in a revival, something comes to where you get so revived that you carry further faster. That's why we like revival. God raised Jesus from the dead by the glory of the Father. So also you should walk in newness of life. Or in other words, he did the same thing to you too. You were yet dead in your trespasses and sins, but he made you alive. He, he raised you from sinful death into righteous, holy, loving life at the new birth. And he did it with the glory of the Father. And the greatest glory that was ever displayed was displayed by Jesus Christ when he said, if I be lifted up even I, all men shall be drawn unto me. He wasn't talking about his name being lifted up and we put him in lights. and He wasn't talking about that kind of being lifted up. Somebody tell me what he was talking about. The cross. He was talking about going to the cross. And his last words before he went there. He turned to his disciples and he said, I go to my glory. And he was going to the cross and he called it his glory. Why did he call it his glory? Because it was the display of the highest love there is. He was willing to lay down his life for his friends. That kind of love is what you're really wanting. That kind of love is not self-motivated. That kind of Love takes something beyond natural you, more than just your emotions. Even determination and strong will is not enough to carry it through. But a yielded will to him who is within us can carry us into greater love. My love, the love of God that's in me, has been challenged a lot lately. And everywhere I go and everywhere I look and everybody I meet, people are in more struggle and battle. There's more stuff going on. Even in the red-hot revival circles and churches, I know people in all of them. Leaders, I know many of them. Great people. And they're trying to keep from falling and giving up and struggling. There's battles everywhere disease and sickness, things are assaulting the church world right now. The whole world has gone mad. I'm glad there's elders back here in the back row that are the age of my parents and uncles. I'm thankful I honor them because uh, in speaking of them, I want to bring honor to the fact 
that they, they're sitting here, they've been through many battles and they're still here. They're still walking in love. They're still hungry. Whenever they come in, I always start looking at them. I look at their facials. I, I touch their spirit. I want to see their body. I want to see if I'm hitting right with them or if they're, if they're seeing something off. Because I want to be right. You know why? Because I look up to them. I automatically do it because they're my, they're my elders. Because they're wiser. Because they've been in the battle longer. They've been through things that I haven't been through. I could ask them, what do you think about what's going on in America and our government? Well, how's it going in the high schools? And what do you think about, have you ever seen anything like the days we're in? Or even close to it? Would you have ever believed you would live to see this day and Jesus not come back and get us out of here first? Never. So we need to listen to our elders, but we have younger men and women with revelation that's beyond that. Oh, everything's wonderful. Everything's good. It's good in your heart. <coughs> it's good in your spirit. It's good in God's plans and purposes. It's good in God's abundant grace and love, which is more abounding than we can ask or hope for. It's wonderful in the kingdom if we could just stay in the kingdom experientially. But we battle, we fight. And there must be something going on, not just in America, because this that they thought they would never see. I remember my father at 91, as I stood next to his bed and watched him go and closed his eyes. And how many years I've been talking to him and how many souls he won and how he carried the gospel right up to his dying breaths, preaching the gospel to his nurses and leading them by the hand to Jesus. That's my dad. I'm going to be like my dad. Do I hear an amen? And he would have never believed. He said, oh, son, I can't wait to get home and see mama. But he said, I feel sorry for all y'all that are here. I <laughs> never thought it would be like this. He says, I don't know where it's going, but I'm sure glad Jesus is coming back. He said, now it's going to be your battle. I get to go. And he grinned at me. <laughs> He's coming soon. Did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, there's people that don't believe that. There's people that believe it could be another thousand years. And if that is, it's okay. It doesn't matter because we're just going to gradually get a little better and better and better and transfer. Everything's going to get better and better and better on planet Earth. And it's just going to get better and better and better. But the statistics don't show that. And the Bible doesn't say that. It says in the last days... I was going to read it. I'll just quote it. I'll read it. In the last days, perilous times will come. The last days. The last days started 2,000 years ago. Didn't they? They did. They started 2,000 years ago. If that was the last days then, what are the days right now? The end times? How about the last time? What times are we in? Well, my theology tells me, I love you, but I, I'm not too impressed with theology anymore. Reality and living life. 
is what really matters to me. And I'm finding that people that have victory and that are able to go forward and that are growing, that know how to pray and can pray strong, are people that have determined to forgive their enemies and to love people no matter what. And they will not give up this sacrificial love that Jesus displayed and walked in by going to his glory and saying, if I be lifted up, even I, all men will be gathered unto me. He wants to be lifted up in our lives and he wants us to grow up into him, into a love we have never known before. It's not just a good feeling love because sometimes it doesn't feel good to love. Any parents here? Any parents here that ever that believed in spanking? Did, did that hurt? Did it hurt to... Discipline your child, tell them no. Did it hurt, hurt to say no, you can't have that because it also hurt when you got it. And it hurt your parents more. Now I'm talking about the true heart of a parent and true love. True love disciplines. True love has to discipline. And we should so open our hearts because first, I mean, Hebrews chapter 12 talks to us about the disciplines of a father to his sons. And that illegitimate children, they don't respond to discipline. They reject it because they don't have fathers. And so they, don't, they haven't had the father's love. But we are not like that. We have the father's love. Stay And then the truth. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? That's what he did for us. That's what he did for us. So I want to read this about love, and I'm going to open up some things tonight in this realm. Because I'm crying out to God. This, uh, anybody want to soar like an eagle? Yes. You just re- sang the song. The power of God's love, face to face with him. That entire song is an outline that I'm going to preach from. And we're going to start singing that song real often. In California, when we had Eagle's Nest, that was our theme song. We sang at every meeting we had, and we taught from it, and we lived it, and we, who were of the Eagle's Nest. You know, an an eagle is one thing, but an eagle's nest is another thing. What do you find in an eagle's nest? Youngins. (laughs) I like that, youngins. Family, family, family. People say eagles are lonely birds. You never see them, they're always alone. No, that's not true. You have not studied them. They gather together like in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thousands of them come there every year to the lake there at a certain time in the winter. I know a place in Arkansas. I know a couple other places. And there's many of them. And at times, several of them I was driving down the road going to a conference to hear Bob Jones preach the gospel in, in, um, in uh, southern Oregon. And I was driving along, and I, I, I was shocked. I saw these eagles coming down to land. 
And, and they, I looked out up there in this field, and this field had so many eagles in it, I couldn't count them all. And they were flying together, and they all came down. And they put it in the newspaper, and they said, they've never been here like this before. We don't even know that what that was about. I was flying, I mean, I was driving down there to see Bob. The Lord was speaking to me and talking about what he was going to do. And the last day's outpouring, and he told me, I'm going to start bringing many eagles. They're going to start coming forth out of their nests and soaring. I'm going to gather together the gatherings of the eagles, and we're going to have a move of God. And I'm driving down there and drove right into that. And I went down there and told Bob about it and about a half a dozen other people had seen it too, and he got up and talked about it. It was an amazing thing, an amazing thing. Eagles don't always soar alone. They're meant together. There's, they have counsels. They have a language. They have things that God speaks to them to do. They can see further. They can fly higher. They're amazing creatures. And the eagle cry is amazing. And when an eagle cries, it's an amazing thing. Glenda and I were in Arkansas, and we, we were, a friend gave us a beautiful um, condominium on the top of a mountain, and it looked, over, it looked right over a lake. And it rolled off and this, went down this real steep embankment that was we were to walk out there and look down, or we could look at, out the window and see the, the lake below us. And it was a quarter of a mile down there. We were in a very high place. And one day I was standing at the window and an eagle flew by me and went up, was flying over the lake. And it was just about at my, a little higher than my eyesight. And I thought, oh God, and I stepped out of the house out the sliding black door and was out there watching it. And I said, Lord, would you bring that eagle back? I want to see it again. A few minutes later, I seen it go up and it circled around and disappeared. Oh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, suddenly I looked out there. I'm out there praying on this back porch. Beautiful morning. And here comes that eagle. And he's flying down back by me again. Isn't that awesome? You know what he did? He banked and flew right straight at me. And when he got about 50, 75 feet from me, he was soaring, and he flew right up, and he stopped. And he was there on this little current. He was like this, and he just went, and he looked right at me and sat there and stared at me. It was the most incredible thing, and then, he began to prophesy to me. <laughs> now, I knew I'd throw you off if I said that. But the word of the Lord started coming to me. And I knew the Lord was anointing that eagle to be there with me and to speak to me about what it means to wait upon the Lord, renew your strength, to mount up with wings as eagles, to have the eyes of an eagle, to have the talons for catching fish, to soar at the levels, to ride on the winds of adversity and go places where nobody can go. I understood it. I knew it. And I was so overwhelmed with the love of God. The love of God becomes so practical 
when you see God in nature and you see God everywhere around you, but especially when you see God in people like Mary Green. Because I see so much God in you. In the two and a half, three, three years I've known you, you always help the poor, the downtrodden. You're always there secretly doing things people don't know. Giving them rides, to, to getting them food. Always taking care of people. And you know what? She has great need. She's not a rich, but she's rich in God. She's not famous, but God knows her. She is full of love. It's so really good to see you. It's been a while. It's really good to see you. You're so loved by so many people and you're not aware of it. You're loved because you love. You think of others. I've seen you sacrifice your last money to give food to somebody that didn't have it. I've seen you do it. That's amazing. That's the passion of the scripture. Oh, Father, I love you, Jesus. I just, Jesus... It's so amazing. He will take you into some hard things, you guys. Listen, health, wealth, prosperity, blessing, fame and fortune, favor everywhere you turn, people overwhelming you. You're rich, famous. You, I mean, you get, if you listen to that message and that's all, you'll think you, God's going to turn you into a, a little mini God right here on earth. And everything's going to go for you. And it'll become all about you. And that is all true, all of that stuff. And more is what God has for you. But there is a love where you spend yourself for others to where it's no longer about you, but it's about making his name glorious. It's about honoring the Father in heaven like he did. It's about obedience, even if it hurts. It's about doing some hard things sometimes that's not comfortable. Oh, it doesn't always have to be all about me having everything my way for it to be God. Sometimes he'll ask me to do things that seem hard and won't make sense. But if I trust him and obey, it'll all start coming together. You're in places right now in your life where it don't make sense and you want to rebuke the devil and you should sometimes. But you're in some tough places and you're being called upon and you're being challenged right now to do some things that won't be best seemingly at that moment for you. But you may have to be like a parent and sacrifice for your child or brother or a sister. Or as our brother said, how about an enemy? What can turn an enemy that hates your guts and wishes you were dead and is busy about his business of trying to get you there? Can you turn their heart by deeds of love? I say you can. Can you turn everyone? No. Judas killed or was responsible for the death of Jesus in betrayal. Wasn't he? Wasn't he? 
Oh, my goodness, Jesus hung out with him. Didn't he have any discernment? <laughs> Father, I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm the son of God, the king of Israel. What do you mean, hang out with this thief? He had a plan. And you got to trust him. We didn't get, get back to some the kind of faith that doesn't just get you what you want, but it teaches you to trust and obey, even if what he is doing with you is training you in a higher love, and you don't see any benefit at all for yourself, and then a year later, you're totally transformed and loving beyond anything you've ever known. Well... I think I lost a few of you just then. <laughs> I was in welcoming you into the life of the sufferings of Jesus. Anybody want to take the path with me of suffering love? If you say no, you're in trouble because you're going there. He's taking you through it right now. He's taking you through it. We're in the last days. We're in the end times. Perilous times shall arise. Men will be lovers of themselves. Everybody say, lovers of themselves. themselves. Now you want to say this with me? Not me, not me, not me. (laughs) Lovers of money. Isn't it funny how money's always right there at the front? First message Jesus preaches. Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to who? Oh my goodness. First statement he talks about. He always talked about it right at the first. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Slanders without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, that's not for Christians. I think the warning is, how many are glad God warns us? Wouldn't it be a bummer to walk right into a Lion's mouth and God not warn you first. Love will warn. Love will train. It will equip. It will empower you to overcome any situation that comes to you. Anything. I'm being tested in some areas right now. I just came from the... uh, the, the, the city council, and the city council wasn't nice to me. And there was people there with letters against me. And there was people on the city, city council that said things about me that were all fabricated and lies. <laughs> and you know what? The Lord said, what are you going to do, son? And I said, well, Father, I want to be like you, like Jesus. He said, okay, get up and tell them. So at the end, I got up and made a statement. I thanked them all. I blessed them. 
because that's what God did to me. I'm not trying to make myself look good because it was only the love of God. Now somebody say, amen, brother, I know what you're talking about. There were moments when this was going on, I was sitting there and I was saying, how about I take you outside? I know what that was. That's all self. Just self. It's not eternal. It's going to pass away. It's all dead. Why waste time on it? Jesus already put it to death. And we can line with him and appropriate it or give it some resurrection. (laughs) Then we'll be sorry we did because the trouble it resurrects with it is more than a seven-course meal. It'd be food for a month or a year or the rest of your life. The wrong kind, poisonous. No. And I'm so glad it happened. I'm really praising God. I really am, honestly. I'm praising God. I'm thinking, okay, well, next. Anybody want to go on next with me? Do you know the enemy can't defeat us? I said, Lord, what about a building? And he said, go preach the gospel to them. Did you get that? How many here are God's building? Go preach the good news. Go tell them how much you love them. Tell them how much I love them. Tell them you're having trouble loving them sometimes. But because of me, you'll overcome I'm not a pastor. That's not my first gift. So I really have trouble kind of wanting to be all pastor touchy feeling. Hang out with the sheepies. And I love people, but I'm just not a pastor. But I love you so much there isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. But I'd probably do it a different way than you would think. It may not be all pastoral. And I found out some of y'all, maybe not pastors either. (laughs) I have learned that sheep have teeth. Not only that, some of them have fangs. (laughs) You're all laughing because I love you. I find myself going, oh, my God, it's trying to pull some fangs. (laughs) Jesus' name, forgive me. Okay, I'm going to read to you about love and I'm done. (laughs) Anybody want to hear what the Passion Translation says about 1 Corinthians 13? How many want me to read it to them? What would you say? Okay. (laughs) Okay, son. Come sit on the front row. (laughs) You're my first student. This is one of my favorite sons. (laughs) He's my brother. He is a father, too. He's got a real fatherly heart. What a blessing. 
but he messes with me. I mean, he, he does stuff like that all the time. Sometimes he doesn't smile. <laughs> How many know we need friends like that? Yes, we do. I'm trying to find it because this here is actually, it's not in print. I mean, it's, it, I had to get this. He had to email it to me. Ooh, look what I found. Love, the motivation of our lives. Love makes, this is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Love makes all other gifts appear as nothing. For if I were to speak eloquently in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I don't express myself with love, then my words are nothing more than an irritating noise like that of a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that I could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am simply nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor, and offer my body to be burned as a martyr. But without the pure motive of love, I gain nothing of value. Love patiently waits in the difficult relationships. Love is gentle and consistent. It's consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in achievements nor inflate its own importance. Oh, the Lord had me read that twice. I must have needed that. Preachers really need that. So do leaders. Sometimes parents need it. Sometime an older brother or sister. We have a tendency to want to inflate ourselves over others. It's just the flesh. But love doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. Give me somebody who's got a little bit of goofy doctrine but lives in perfect love. Okay, I, I, I'd rather hang out with them any day of the week, wouldn't you? Doctrine can be changed, but somebody that's in love will change you. Thank you, Father. I believe in pure doctrine. We should have it. And I'm just trying to get everybody to believe mine. <laughs> love never stops loving. Oh, I, I, I jumped too far ahead. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and gives up a search for what is wrong. There is nothing loyal love cannot face, for it never loses faith. Love never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. Love never stops loving. 
It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after the words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand. I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. And until then, there are three things which remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Don't you love that chapter? Because that's who you are inside. That's who you are. When he recreated you, that's what he created. Inside. Your core. That's us. So, Father, I ask tonight that if there's anyone in this room that feels unloved, that has lost their way from the knowing that you love them and you forgive them. If there's someone here tonight that is facing difficult situations where they've been so wronged that they've become hardened in their heart toward a person and it's affecting all their relationships, I ask you to set them free right now. And in the name of Jesus, by the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I break off of them the chains of that bondage. I do it in your name, Jesus, for it is you in me that does the works. That you set the captives free. You break the chains. You deliver them. I ask you to fill up every person here with this yearning of your great love the power of your love. Because, Lord, we want to soar on wings of eagles. We want to rise higher and higher in you. We do want to soar above the storms, up there in the clear skies, in the sunshine, face to face with God. Thank you for every time you help us and lift us up even in storms to where those storms are the pathway of a ride above them. Catch us up in the turbulence of your love. 
in Jesus' name. Empower us to be overcomers that in the last days we would not be captured by the things that are coming upon the earth. You said in the last days many men and women's hearts would fail them for fear of looking of what's coming upon the earth. The world. Oh, we see it all around us. Can't help but notice it. We can't put our head in the sand. Too many people we love are in it. Mingled in with this mess of the world. But that we would not be captured. That you would supersede all of the world. The bitterness, the hate, the cowardice and unbelief. The strife and confusion the lust and perversion of this world that we all are saved from. We thank you for your great salvation, that you have saved us from our sins and will save us continually. We cry out to not just be holy because you've decreed that we're a holy people, but to walk holy before you and before the, the world. And when we look in the mirror, we know your holiness has kept me. I thank you, God, that your holiness is your love. The highest love. Thank you, Father. Lord, I praise you for it. I praise you for each person here. All through this room, people facing difficult situations. I ask for your supernatural intervention, Lord. Not just into the circumstances, God. You can come and remove a bad circumstance and another one waits in line to replace it. The world is full of trouble. But God, change our hearts. Fill us from within fully. Change our ideas about what we think. Change us to accept your love and to know that it's always there and that it never fails and that it's greater than anything I can or cannot do or be. Thank you, Father. People in this room meeting dire straits financially. Difficult times. People threatened fearful about loss of jobs. That job is not your provider. Do not fear. That job is your ministry. You're there to meet people. God will take care of you. God will provide for you. That doesn't mean you get lazy and not want to work. Anything can happen when somebody shows up for work. Just show up. Anything. God can be there for you. He will provide that job, that work, that business, that promotion. He will provide for you. He is good yes. to all. Father, help us to trust you that there's people in this room being threatened by disease and sickness. Wanderings inside, deep in your heart. Oh, what is that? Lump. 
I believe I'm getting this symptom. All those thoughts and fears about your health. By the power of the name of Jesus sets you free from those taunting spirits of lies and infirmities. The blessing of God that makes you rich and adds no sorrow to it. You're rich in the wisdom and the grace and the goodness of God. In the name of Jesus, God can make cancer right now, right now begin to shrivel. Shrivel. Stop. It will not advance. He not only can, if you believe he just did that, and you choose to say yes, in the name of Jesus. And you be healed in your blood. Be healed, clearing your bones, your breath, every part of you. Be healed in your members. Thank you, Father. My father had cancer five times. He was in a battle with cancer at 91 when he went home. We asked the doctor, did the cancer kill him? No, cancer didn't kill him. He beat it every time. His dad died of it, his grandfather died of it, brothers died of it, all that stuff. People hear me say that and they say, oh my God, it's in you. It's hereditary. Not for me, it's not. No, no, no. That gene is not in me. In Jesus' name. I'm standing with you. Do you hear me? I'm standing with you, sir. I'm standing with you for your healing, my sister. I'm standing with you. For every harassment of the devil comes against your life. And the love of God will not fail. There's one thing we do have. We have love. And it never fails. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just release, I've been having a visitation from God, the love of God. My wife, we're walking today eating berries. And I told her, I started talking about the goodness of God, and I just started crying like a baby. She says, God, you just cry all the time. <laughs> There's a tenderness, something is happening. There's a tenderness of love, the love of God. All things work together. Sorry, I didn't mean to start. <laughs> I got excited. It just blurted out. All things work together for the good. To them that love God. To them who are the called. How many the called in the house? According to his purpose. Say his purpose. his purpose. Say this. Not my purpose. Not my purpose. 
His purpose. Because His purpose is my purpose. Thank you, Father. Yes, dear sister. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Everything she just mentioned and named is being released through this, the healing anointing that's on her while she was talking. We got excited and wanted to praise God because there was a tangible substance of that healing flow flowing through here right now. What is your need? What do you have need of? The things she mentioned are not the only things that anointing will touch because it's the love of God. Really leave here tonight knowing that tonight was a night when you stepped into the power of God's love. How many are baptized in the Holy Spirit? Did you ever notice that Nobody in the Old Testament could really, the masses and everyday people, not a lot of them could really walk in the love of God. You know what I mean? They couldn't walk in a conscious love. But after the day of Pentecost, when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, suddenly we had the power to love. That's the first thing the power of God brought, not miracles. The miracles were the overflow of the love of God. It was the love of God. And uh, over there in Timothy, he says that uh, because of God's power, love, and sound mind, we conquer. comes through the power before love, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the name of Jesus. The power of who and what he is gives you the ability to love. 
Thank you, Father. Anybody want to receive that for this night? That this is a turning point for a love walk that you want to go into that's higher than where you've been. It's further. It's higher. It's deeper. It's wider. Thank you, Father. Oh, the love of God is past understanding. Neither height nor death nor things present nor things to come. Neither angels or demons. Nothing can separate you. Last verse, Romans 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Well, let's lift our hands and praise him right now and receive it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We just dwell in your presence. We love you. We thank you. We honor you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's catch you. Can you share that report? Do you want to do it? What? The report she asked you to share. Come on. I don't know where the mic is. Here you go. So I haven't seen my family. Uh, I'm from Minnesota originally. And and I haven't seen my family for like six, over six years and my children. And... um, uh, a while ago, I was praying, and I said, Lord, I really need to get back to Minnesota and see my kids and my brothers and sisters. And um, two days after I prayed that prayer, um, my sister from Minnesota called, said she was going through some things, found a poem that I had written for my father's funeral and they had decided to do a memorial for my um, parents at the cemetery, and they wanted me to come back and read this poem. So they all chipped together and bought me a first-class round-trip <laughs> ticket to Minnesota to come back. So um, it, was, it was just amazing blessing from God. The devil, I don't think, liked this... Um, God's blessing program and um, right before I went back my brother was in a really serious head-on car crash yeah and um, I got a frantic call from my sister and telling me what had happened and asking me to pray so thank God for cell phones I got on my phone and texted every prayer warrior I knew um, and asked them to pray and then I just put on some music and I just started worshiping God and just spent the night worshiping God Um, and many many people were praying and um, my brother was right at death's doorstep he had bleeding on his brain seven broken ribs broken sternum punctured lungs crushed lungs Um, I don't think the hospital staff expected him to live so they were telling my family to come and visit and I think it was like to say goodbye basically (laughs) but 
um, God had another plan. <laughs> and um, like you were saying about rerouting um, the enemy's plans. And so we all fervently prayed. And the next morning, my brother was doing amazingly well. And every day since then has been just like miraculous um, healing and improvement. And the hospital staff is just blown away. They've never seen anybody in a crash that bad come through it so quickly, so well. And um, he was out of the hospital like five days ago. Uh, went into a rehabilitation place for about five days, and he's going home tomorrow. <laughs> and he's, he's planning on going back to work next week. <laughs> so God is so good. And I thank you, and my family wants to thank you for all your prayers. All of you have prayed. Can I read a poem, too? Okay. Now... Glenda's not here, but tell her about the sunrise and the birds singing. She was talking about this earlier. New wine, new day. Fresh dew on the morning grass. Sunrise, birds sing. For the righteous, our problems will pass. God's hand and God's grace are working mightily for us for good. So hope arises with pleasant surprises from our God as only he could. For each day brings us new mercies, and each day he brings us new strength, and shows us the greatness of his faithful love, the height and the width and the length. For his blessings and love are unending, like a crystal clear river they flow, bringing new life and refreshment and sparkling bright hope where they go. Yes, weeping may last for the night, but great joy it comes in the morning and the abundant love and blessings of God sometimes overwhelm without warning. Thank you. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give an offering. Anybody excited about that? Come on, let's praise him for it. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I want to encourage you to be faithful in your tithes and offerings. We do, at Eagle's Nest here, receive uh, tithes and offerings. And it's for the uh, advancing of the kingdom of God, as you know, and for the furtherment of healthy life. And we believe that's... Uh, covers all the bases. I want to uh, I want to encourage you to jump in and really help us, and um, help yourself by your giving. I believe that you're going to uh, sense immediate faith flood into your heart as I pray right now. I want you to listen to your heart and be faithful to give what you're compelled to do inside of your heart by a simple little whisper. Be faithful to the Lord and listen to his voice and listen to your own heart and your own conscience and let God be true in you because he wants to bless you in your giving. Father, 
Thank you for this opportunity to bring some of what you give us back to you. We do need you, Lord, to meet all of our needs. And you said you would provide them according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're the God of great abundance and that you would that we prosper and are in health as our soul prospers. So I release upon each person right now the blessing of God in their giving. Touch their hearts, Father, right now. Holy Spirit, touch them with faith to do this with excitement and joy for the Lord loves us to give cheerfully and excitedly and expectantly. So we bless you, Father. We love you. We love the advancing of your kingdom. We love being a part. God, you so love that you gave and we're like you. So we love to give. And we give cheerfully in your name, Lord Jesus. How many loving that song? I want to let them finish, but I, I was kind of going to tell the story, but I got up and talked to the city council and I the Lord told me to prophesy over them without them knowing it and about what God wanted to do in their lives and some things they needed to do and then, and then I told them I said one of the things they, they, they had to deny it is because of a fire road not being there and they had to shut down the growth of the community out there because no uh, egress or escape route out there in the industrial center and all of the people that we would bring there it would create a problem so I encouraged them very strongly to get that fixed and to get that other road in it was supposed to have been built in 93 and it's been a bone in their throat towards us this whole time and they made a big deal about it and they admitted they haven't talked about it and they really, it's really, and so I encouraged them to do that. And then I told them I would help them. This came out of my mouth without me thinking about it. I will help you go to the community and raise the money to get that done. If you need some help, call me. And I would love to help you in these matters in this community so you can grow, so people can work. And um, I said, you, you pray before this meeting and you, you all talk, you're mostly Christians. God will help us and God bless America and God bless this city and God bless all of you. And then there was a man that went around the community out there and told stories about me and got people stirred up against me and they wrote letters to the city council. They don't even know me at all. They had, there was nothing to find or nothing to do. But I was accused of something that wasn't true. And I went directly to him after, as soon as they dismissed it, and said, I went directly back to him. And I walked over to him and apologized to him for offending him. And I didn't offend him. There was somebody else that was with me that challenged him on something. And because I was with him through association, he wrote that I was the one that did it. 
Yeah, guilty by association. And I went to him and I asked him if he would forgive me. And uh, I blessed him and I blessed his business. And I, I said, I, you know, I, I believe you're a believer. And he said, well, I am. And so he began to talk and then he didn't want to let go of me. And just before uh, they ended the meeting, they turned back and said, this egress and getting this road done, and as Mr. Sherman has so graciously encouraged us, we can do these things. And he said, you know, there is, we have hit a wall, and a lot of us on this council have been here for quite a while, and right now we have a vacancy in, on the, on the uh, city council. And Mr. Sherman, maybe you would run for city council. And they, and they all applauded. Now, can you see how God can turn things around through love? Anyhow, I just wanted to finish the story. And that's what happened. That's how it ended. So God bless you all. Love one another. Have a great evening. Okay.